Hello and welcome back to Weathering the Storm, a podcast where we strive to weather the storms of life by placing and sustaining an unwavering faith in God. I'm your host, Drew Suttles, and I am very thankful that you have taken out some time to spend with me today. We are working our way through the book of Psalms this season, and the the theme of this season is simply weathering the storm with the Psalms. And so each uh, study, each episode, we are looking at uh, select Psalms and trying to dive into them, study them verse by verse, word for word, and then be able to make application to our lives that can hopefully help us weather the storms that we may face. So again, I thank you so much for listening. I appreciate uh, so much your support and your encouragement, and I hope and pray that you will continue to support uh, not only the Weather and the Storm podcast, but the Scattered Abroad Network. And I'm very, very grateful uh, to be on this network, and I thank you again for listening and for supporting us as well as you do. It is a, a true encouragement, and it's a true blessing to be able to do this podcast. If you have your Bibles with you today, I want to invite you to Psalm 63. Psalm 63. And here we're going to think about how we can have joy while in fellowship with God, even though we find ourselves in the midst of a storm. Joy in the fellowship of God, even though we find ourselves in the midst of a storm. You'll notice if you have your Bible open there, the subscript says this is a Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness in Judah. And so as we think about David in the wilderness, think about yourself being in a storm. And maybe it's not a storm like we think about, lightning and rain and all of that, but what if it was a what if it was a, a, a drought? What if it was being in this kind of storm where uh, you see things all around you that are arising and you have no shelter and you know that in the midst of, of that something is coming or maybe you're in, in great need of something and so that serves as a storm so what do you do in, in those times and that's kind of the background for what we're going to be studying today in psalm 63 i want to begin by reading this psalm i want to give you a few thoughts uh, some some background information behind it we'll look at the outline together and then bring out a few points of application that will hopefully help us weather the storm. O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory, because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches, because you have been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek my life to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him shall glory. But the mouth of those who speak lies shall be stopped. Again, this is Psalm 63. As we think about David in the wilderness. Burton Kaufman says this is David's cry to God from the desert. Brother Waycaster entitled it, My Soul Thirst for You. And so think about someone who is in a very uh, desert place. It's in a drought, in the wilderness, longing for God. 
you and I may find ourselves in different kind of storms. And we've talked about those kind of storms that we face, whether it's a spiritual storm, emotional, maybe a physical storm, a financial storm. And we feel as if we're in the wilderness and there is no relief in sight. And that's really kind of the background of what's going on. Kaufman did note this, and I thought it was interesting. I wanted to include it uh, in our thoughts today. He said, this is a very beautiful psalm of devotion to God. Matthew Henry wrote that just as the sweetest of Paul's epistles were those sent out from a Roman prison, so some of the sweetest of David's psalms are those that were penned, as this one was in the wild desolation of the Dead Sea Desert. You know, you think about the book of Philippians, for example, being the epistle of joy. And we understand that Paul wrote that from a prison cell. And what a great reminder that joy is not based on outward circumstances. And so David could find this joy in being in fellowship with God, even though from a physical perspective he was in the wilderness. You and I, even in the midst of a storm, can still experience joy knowing that God is with us throughout all of it. So with those thoughts in mind, let's take a deeper look into Psalm 63. In the first place, notice with me the attraction of God. The attraction of God. Verse 1. He says, you are my God. That's very personal and that's very important. It reminds us of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. And so right off the bat, this is something that he is addressing, the personal relationship that he enjoys with God, the attraction of God. Notice then in, in verse 1, the passion. He says, early will I seek you. And the word early there carries the idea of earnestly. And I'm reminded of Jesus and his prayer life. Mark 135 is, is one of the, my favorite verses when you think about the prayer life of our Lord. It said he rose up early in the day before it was light, and he went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. What I love about that is, is Jesus made a priority for prayer. Yes, he lost some sleep. Yes, he, he sacrificed that time. And yes, he, he sacrificed uh, much from a physical standpoint in that he had to get up early. He had to walk and to travel and to be away from everybody but it shows how important prayer was to him and the fact that he prioritized it in his life and in his ministry. David was the same way. He had a passion for God. He said, early and earnestly will I seek you. But then also notice the panting. My soul thirsts for you. In Psalm 42, we read about the deer. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Psalm 42, 1 and 2. Jesus, of course, alluded to this. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6. Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And so he had a passion for God, and there was a panting for God. But then notice also the providence of God. He said that I am thirsting for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. But see, God, and he knew this, God can provide what we need even when we don't see the possibility available. God can still provide it. Psalm 23, for example. And we go back to that, and we're going to make a lot of references back to that great psalm. But when you think about David saying, the Lord is my shepherd, and he leads me beside the still waters. So there's this concept of the fact that even when I can't see it, God can, and he can lead me there. We also think about 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 4. Remember the children of Israel being in the wilderness, and yet God provided what they needed. They all drank from that spiritual rock, and that rock was Christ. 
And so there's this attraction of God. David is attracted. He is, uh, he is so focused on being uh, close to God. And we ought to have that same mentality, especially when we find ourselves in a dark place. We need to be attracted to the light. God is light, and Him is no darkness at all, 1 John 1, 5. So there's the attraction of God. But then notice with me in verses 2, in the first part of verse 3, the attributes of God. The attributes of God. He says, I've looked for you in the sanctuary. The word sanctuary means a sacred place or thing. It's not a building. It's not an auditorium. Sometimes we may may use that language, but really we're talking about a sacred place, a sacred dwelling. He says, so I look for you in the sanctuary to see what? To see your power. God is my strength and power. He makes my way perfect. 2 Samuel 22, 33. To see your power and your glory. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering. Come before him. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. 1 Chronicles 16, 29. See, David was enamored with the power and glory of God. And so he was attracted to him because of his attributes. Because of how wonderful God is. And so when David is in this wilderness, he's in this difficult place and difficult spot, he's able to dwell on the greatness of God. And that helped him get through it. You and I can and must do the same thing if we're going to be able to weather the storm. So he he focuses on these attributes of power and glory, but then also the loving kindness of God, the loving kindness of God. Oh, continue your loving kindness to those who know you and your righteousness to the upright in heart, Psalm 36.10. David knew this in an intimate, special way, and that's so, so important for you and I as Christians. Because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, we can have fellowship with God. And if we keep on walking in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ will keep on cleansing us. We can maintain that wonderful, beautiful fellowship. 1 John 1, 7 through 9. And so David is focusing here on the attributes of God. And let's remember where God dwells, it is sacred. And God dwells in his, in his people. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. 1 Timothy three fifteen. And so David, while he cries to God from the desert, we notice the attraction of God and the attributes of God. But now the second part of verse 3, going down through verse 8, notice the adoration toward God. The adoration toward God. And notice these words. First, he talks about his praise. My lips shall praise you. Think about Hebrews thirteen fifteen. May it be the fruit of our lips that offer that praise unto God. But then there is the persistence. He says, I will bless you while I live. As long as there's breath in my lungs, as long as I have a pulse, I'm going to be praising God. That needs to be the mentality of all the children of God. But then third, notice the posture. I will lift up my hands in your name. And this language of lifting up the hands is a metaphor for pure deeds and actions. It's offering a holy lifestyle unto God. I want to give you several verses if you'd like to uh, take notes on this and, and go for your further study about how this is used as a metaphor. Uh, Job 17.9, Psalm 28.2, 141, 143.6, Isaiah 1.15 and 16, 1 Timothy 2.8, and James 4.8. Again, that's carrying this idea of lifting up holy hands unto God 
in the sense that you're living a holy lifestyle. You're living the way that God would have you to live, and you lift that up. And so when you think about the adoration toward God, there's the praise, the persistence, and the posture. Then fourth, notice this, that his praise is pointed toward God. My mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. He understands that while his physical body at this point in time is in the wilderness, his soul can be uh, can be satisfied. His soul can be filled. You and I, when we, we find ourselves maybe in a physical, you know, famished state, we can still be spiritually well fed. If we're hungry and thirsting after righteousness, the Lord says we will be filled. And so that needs to be our mentality when we find ourselves in the wilderness or when we find ourselves in the storm. We notice the attraction of God, the attributes of God, and the adoration toward God. But now we shift our focus to the adversaries of David. The adversaries of David. You see, David is remembering and meditating on God. He knows that God has been his help. He says, in the shadow of your wings I'll rejoice, verse 7. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. And even in while he's meditating on that, he still recognizes that he has many adversaries. Notice that hinge word in verse 9. But those who seek my life to destroy it, they shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword, and they shall be a portion for jackals. David says, listen, I'm in the wilderness right now, but I'm going to get through this. I'm not going to stay here because I'm going to draw near to God. He said, there are other people in, in the world that are in storms right now, and they're facing difficulties just like we are. The difference is for the child of God, you know, you have the Lord on your side. I use this illustration uh, quite often. When you think about Jesus calming the sea, there were other boats on the water. The difference was they were in that storm all, all alone. But when Jesus was in the boat with the disciples, he came out and said, peace be still. And they, the calm that they experienced, they were able to see it firsthand. Jesus was in their boat. You and I, Jesus is in our boat. So when we face the storms, it's a whole lot different, isn't it? When you have the master of the sea, you can stand up and say, peace be still. So we have a different perspective and understanding as we go through trials. But our adversaries, those in the world, that they don't. So David says, those who seek my life to destroy it. You know, there are those in the world who seek to destroy our reputation. They seek to destroy your career, your progress, your influence. Whatever things you're doing good, there are those in the world that want to pull you down. And David recognizes this. There are so many examples in Scripture that we can think about people doing that, but the righteous have to maintain the right mentality and keep their focus on God. And David was able to do that even in the midst of his adversaries. That brings us to our final point in this study, and that's verse 11. Here we see the attitude of David. Attitude is everything, isn't it? Uh, an old coaching phrase that, that I've heard and that I use for my ball players is, Perspective is reality. You know, you, you perceive certain things, and regardless of the situation you find yourself in, you can actually rise above that if you have the right perspective. So while David's in the physical wilderness, spiritually, he's, he's flourishing. He's in a wonderful place. And it's all because of the fellowship that he enjoys with God. Notice he says, but the king shall rejoice in God. Brother Waycaster said he was hounded by his enemies, 
and exiled from the holy city while being hated by his enemies, and yet he still believed his rightful position as king was intact. Isn't that interesting? The king shall rejoice. He, he's out in the wilderness, but he knows that God has been with him and blessed him and allowed him to prosper. He has full confidence that everything will be restored. But regardless of what may happen to David, he says, I'm just going to stay faithful to God, and I'm going to keep rejoicing in him. Reminded of what Jesus said, Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Matthew five, ten through 12 David maintained this good attitude. He knew that there were those around him, and, and, and he had adversaries, those who, who wanted to see him fail. You know, they didn't want to see him get back to where he wanted to be. And David essentially is saying, okay, well, regardless of what may happen in this life, I'm going to stay focused unto my God. And he had this concept of staying true to him and staying faithful to him, understanding the spiritual blessings far outweigh the physical. And you and I need to have that same mentality. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice, Philippians 4.4. 4. Do not be overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good, Romans 12.21. Our attitude is everything. So as we've worked through this psalm, Psalm 63, we've, we've been with David here in the wilderness. We've pointed out some things that, that, that he did that helped him cope with being in that difficult position. Let's now bring it home, and let's bring it into our lives. How can Psalm 63 help me weather the storm? And I want to give you five things to consider. Number one, don't forget God when you are in the spiritual wilderness. Trust in Him to provide what you need. Sometimes we may find ourselves there, and sometimes we can't explain it, and that can make it even more frustrating. But don't forget God, because He's not going to forget you. Number two, when you approach the throne of grace, remember God's power, glory, and loving kindness. That's what David did. That's what he focused on, and that's what he meditated on. And you and I, we find ourselves in storms. Let's remember about God. Let's focus on Him. His power, His glory, His loving kindness, and that can help us to work through whatever we're going through. Number three, hunger and thirst for God, knowing, knowing that He will sustain you. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Matthew chapter 4. Jesus had a heavy emphasis on that throughout His ministry. Come unto God. He will sustain you. Again, Matthew 5, 6. Here's the fourth one. Expect persecution. 2 Timothy 3.12. Expect it. Those who strive to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. You're going to have adversaries. You're going to have bumps in the roads. You're going to have storms. But expect it. Which brings us to our fifth and final point. Glorify God when the storms come. Glorify God when the storms come. I'm reminded of 1 Peter 4 and verse 12. If any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Let him glorify God in this name. You suffer as a child of God. You're doing the right thing, and yet you're suffering. Glorify God through that. And also, of course, James 1, 2 and following. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. It's going to give you an opportunity to be more dependent on God and be reminded of His greatness and His ability to deliver you 
even in the worst of storms. I thank you so much for spending some time with me today in Psalm 63. Hope and pray this study has been helpful, beneficial for you, and I hope that uh, we can all gain something from this and apply it to our lives, that when we find ourselves in the wilderness, when we find ourselves in the storm, that we'll look to the right source, that we'll look to the God who is powerful, the one who receives all the glory, and the one who loves us so very much. Thank you so much for listening. May God bless you. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network, and we're grateful to God for this opportunity. And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, and we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use, and please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.